everybody. Good afternoon. Hi. Good evening. Let's clap for them. Good. Yeah. Let's clap for them. We won't stop. A standing stop. ovation for you. Absolutely. You guys. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Tom. <laughs> well, hey, can we right now give a huge shout out to your directors, Jason Nussbaum, Ray Martinez, yeah. Greg Ford. Thank you. Thanks you for know, having us. Really, Victory College, it goes in the, in the way of its leadership. And so you guys have some of the best leaders and even some, of, and not, not some, the best professors and teachers, people who genuinely yeah. care about you. So can you also celebrate all the professors, all of the teachers of Victory College, everybody on staff? Absolutely. Yay! All right, now sit down. There's okay. one more group we oh, want to yes, acknowledge. It's the people that make sure these microphones work, these lights True. are on. We work the with guys them. in the back. The, the audio team visual. On AV and live prod. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a real pleasure. And uh, I think we, we didn't really have time to ask each of you by email or text if you wanted to be in our podcast. That's true. We just trusted uh, God in you and also your leadership to let us do this. We thought it would be good to do a sort of conversational thing about how we uh, feel about being in victory, what life is like here, and uh, hopefully we'll get some gems. Yes, because most of the times in communication, you have one person at the front of a room, and then they're speaking, and you go, uh-huh, uh-huh. But here's the thing. Yeah. You guys have access on your phones to the best sermons in the world. Yeah. So does that make sense? Like, what makes this any different? So we thought, what if we went a different route in the mode of communication, and mm. we included you guys on our podcast. So what is it going to look like today? We are going to basically have a conversation for a few minutes. We're going to touch on some things that typically come up about, and we should tell you, this is what our whole podcast is about. Several years ago, Pastor John and I noticed we had a lot of uh, enthralling conversations about what it's like to not just be invested in your church, but also to operate behind the scenes. Does anyone here operate behind the scenes in any ministry capacity? Plenty or are you. you aware of any drama behind the scenes oh. and you just decide not to talk about it? Wow. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> okay. that's so what it. it's about. So okay. it's, we constantly have those conversations and we thought, wow, this would be really fruitful for a lot of people we know, uh, many of them still in church, but have real interesting doubts, questions that are valid. People that have left the church for seemingly valid reasons, we thought, wow, we have these conversations in coffee shops and uh, bowling alleys all the time. So what if, we, what if we did this and recorded it? So now we're actually today starting season five, which uh, I never knew we'd get this far. I didn't think. That's yeah. very true. And so anyway, so today you may think, okay, well, where's the scriptures? Where's the points? It's all going to be in there. And you guys may even say to yourself, yeah. they're on a rabbit trail. Every rabbit trail is methodical. We are rabbit breeders. We don't breed <laughs> rabbits. But what I'm saying is, is that there is a point. We will land the plane. And then at the end, we're going to give you guys an opportunity to ask any question that oh, you yeah. want. And so you will also, because I think that every single person in here, you are here on purpose because... You have a perfect. Nice. There you Thank go. You. Wow. I also want to give a shout out to uh, Max Martinez. Oh, hey, man. Max Martinez, every single morning, anytime I walk through, Max Martinez is always like, good morning, Pastor John. That's so and sweet. I feel so seen by <laughs> Max. Thank you. Well, that's precious. Yeah. Awesome. And I also want to give a shout out to Miss McKenzie, who is leading up here today. Is awesome. Ms. McKenzie, hey, amazing. Right. And you know what? 
I agree with everything that you said about your dreams is that every single person in this room, you all came to Victory College for different reasons, but I think most of us can say that it's to learn about the word of God. And those of you who are on the fence about like, should I go here? Is it worth it? We're actually gonna get into that. But this is the thing, is that any place that pushes you out of your flesh Mm. and into the word of God is a yes. Okay, regardless what season you're at in your life, if you're single, complicated, in a relationship, (laughs) married for 70 years, divorced, whatever it is, this is for you. Yeah. So, um, and if you go to Victory College and you love it, raise your hand. All right. All right, so let us just ask you, is it worth it? Okay, those of you who are visiting, I obviously, you guys heard, I didn't ask. (laughs) Who goes to Victory College and doesn't like it? All right, you guys... (laughs) There's an altar we'll for you, you after. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, <laughs> but those of you who are visiting, those are the people that you need to talk to, to ask them, okay, is it really worth it? It yeah. is. So anyways, all right. Um, Absolutely. But let's, let's begin. Let's jump in. Absolutely. Okay, go. Well, we had some thoughts that we jot down. This is what we do with every podcast. We sit and talk and we're like, what's fresh on your mind and your heart right now? And it always starts out with some interesting curiosity that we have, and then it lands on hopefully, and usually, a truth of Scripture. So I think that's actually what's going to happen today. So, Pastor okay. John. So Pastor Paul's been on this sermon series. If you guys are wondering where we're going to start, we're starting. All right. Uh, Pastor Paul's been on this sermon series about It's a Beautiful World, and we've been going through the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 1, it's devastating. It's very, very sad. Um, um, her, her sister-in-law, even her mother-in-law, all the men in their life die But then the chapter one, it ends, and it says it's harvest time. And then chapter two is a new chapter. Everybody say a new chapter. New chapter. And what I've realized is that if you ever pray for change, God sends disruption. Wow. And sometimes the temptation can be, let's deal with the disruption. That's not the point of it. The point is to change you. Okay? So (laughs) with Ruth... Uh, with her, there could be a lot of things. COVID, people were praying for revival, and then they got COVID, and they were trying to fight COVID, when in reality, God was birthing revival. Wow. Does that make sense? So COVID was just a disruption. Why? Because it changed the normal. Anything that changes your normal, God is at work. And so with this, in the new chapter, there was different, Ruth was found in the field. And that's, what, that's one of my favorite scriptures in Ruth 2. It's actually in Ruth 2, verse 3. It says that she, was found, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. Now, that's just a jumping point of what it is. But in the midst of all this heartache and suffering and pain, she was found doing the work. And I think a great scripture to kind of jump off of is Zechariah 4.10. Zechariah 4.10, yes. Some of you guys know, what is it, Arvin? It says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Wait, 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 hold on. When does the Lord rejoice? When he sees the work begin. Wait, when does the Lord rejoice? Uh, let me check one more time. Does, yeah, do When the work time. begins. So wait a yes. second. Does, so the Lord doesn't always rejoice whenever you're rejoicing. The Lord doesn't always rejoice whenever. I mean, he loves it when you worship. He loves it when you do all these things. But it actually says that there's actually work that you get to be doing right now. 
So the question is today, what work is God doing in you and what work are you doing? What action steps are you putting towards? That's the great thing about Victory College is that it's kind of like you get to put practical application with things that you learn in class ASAP. Okay, so uh, let me just ask you this. Sure. Have you ever been in a situation Mm. um, where... I just say yes. (laughs) I have. (laughs) Okay, have you ever been in a situation where it's like I am learning a lot about my faith and who I am in God right now. Mm -hmm. And this is something I didn't really learn in Bible college or in a biblical university or anything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the biggest misunderstanding I had, uh, 17, 18, 19, early 20s, was that everyone that is a leader in the body of Christ is in on this conspiracy. They all know what God's plan for me is, and I don't, and I have to spend time with each of them and figure it out. And I felt this pressure and this anxiety to hurry up and figure out what God wants me to do so then I can also be a member of that big leadership conspiracy. And (laughs) what I came to realize was that uh, institutions like Victory College, the one thing they cannot do is tell you God's plan for your life. That's for God to tell you. What they will do is, if you're wanting this, they will help you structure your internal world, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. They will help you be prepared to accommodate God's plan for your life. So when God's plan for your life is shared with you, you go, oh, I know how to take this in stride. If I had known that earlier on, I didn't have the privilege of going to Victory College. If I had known that earlier on, I would have saved years, years of striving where I should have been striding with the work of God. And I would have saved, honestly, a lot of humiliation because I was convinced that I was supposed to go from learning what I'm supposed to do for God to jumping right into it. That is never how it happens. This Ruth story is a great example because the thing that ends up happening for her in her life where she's married to Boaz, you all know this story, you know how it ends, and then she ends up being a a person in the line of David and how baby David is born, King David, that ends up being all the way to Jesus. It all hinges on her willingness in the midst of disruption and heartbreak and loss of her husband, brother-in-law, father-in-law to remain loyal to what she had committed to And then here's the one that I wish I knew. To get up and go do something mundane. Her entire destiny and the future of the bloodline of King David and Jesus was hidden in a mundane job. That would have saved me years. I remember. Have you ever done a mundane job? I've done several mundane jobs. Anybody in here doing mundane jobs? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So I, I remember, and I, I've told this story before. I just interrupted you. No, it's, it's great. You go. You always do it's it. It's a conversation. Um, We're doing so it. So anyway, I remember, so I, me and your one, your, <laughs> one of your directors, Jason, he and me grew up mowing yards. That was like part of our job. And the thing was, is I remember mowing yards into the night and back when I didn't even have a flashlight and I would duct tape my phone to the front of the lawnmower just to like finish the work, finish the lawn in order to get paid or whatever. I remember um, mowing um, and weed eating my parents' front yard. And while I was doing it, it was whenever I was like 13 or 14. And I, my whole goal was just to get the money. I was like, I, my end result, get the money. Well, 
it got too dark for me to finish weed eating the front, right in front of the curb. So I just stopped because I was like, no one's going to notice. I'm going to get the money, right? Um, that's just how, if you guys are like, I wouldn't do that. Well, good for you. Um, I'm not that way. I was not moral, okay? So anyways, um, but I remember going inside and my dad said, did you finish? I go, yeah, 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 I finished. And he was like, all of it? Because, you know, and I said, well, my weed eater, our weed eater ran out of gas and, um, you know, I didn't finish weed eating the front, but I mean, it looks great. And he was like, okay, let's go out there. And he was just like, and he had a flashlight and he shined a light on the curb and he was like, okay, you, you only did a third of it. You have two thirds left. And I said, how can you even tell? Like it's, it, I mean, and he goes, here, come on back inside. He gave me a flashlight and scissors. And he was like, go ahead and finish. And I was like, what? And I was like, bro, you gotta chill. You know what I mean? Because I was like, I'm just trying to get money. That was in my mind. It was like, I just want to preach on stage. Mm. I just want to write the worship song. Right. I just want to be a pastor of the church. Yeah. There's a reason that happens. And so anyways, <laughs> and so I, I just wanted the end result. I just wanted my dream to come true. Yeah. To get the money. My dad said, what you started in the light, finish in the dark. Wow. Some of you are in this dark season and God is less concerned about getting you to your dream than he is building the structure in you to carry the dream. So he'll give you a flashlight and scissors and you're like, this is so dumb. This is small. Like no one's gonna see this. No one's gonna notice. The father will. And that's really all that matters. You see, God is not after your talent. He's after your heart. God is not even really after your knowledge because there's lots of people. There's people with more pH, with more, uh, with more degrees than a thermometer and they hate their life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's really smart people out there that have, and I've met them. I've met them in, in a mental hospital actually. I met them and they had degrees from Harvard and then they went to Oxford for their master's and doctorate and they were miserable. And I was like, wait, but you're really, really smart. And you also have lots of money. And they're like, yeah, but I, I hate my life. And I realized that there were structures in their life, simple things that I'm like, oh, those weren't developed. Does that make sense? And so what God is doing in you is he's developing those things on the inside of you. If you look at the Bible, you know, one of the greatest things about the Bible is you can actually look at the person, not just what they wrote, but where and how they wrote it. Um, Jason, during ministry time, he talked about revelations. When did revelations come to John? Whenever he was in isolation. Your greatest revelation will come when you're alone. Maybe not in the church service. Your greatest revelation will come when no one is there leading worship for you. That type of revelation sticks. There's a reason why God decided to put the revelation at the end of the Bible because he was like, this is the most important thing. It's not just what is in the scripture, it's how it came to John. He was in a worship service. You guys heard Jason read that from the Bible and he was all alone. Imagine at the end of your life, you have been with Jesus and you're like, this is 
I mean, this is like the upper echelon of my life. My best days were when I was getting to hang out with Jesus and we were seeing 5,000 people, uh, uh, you know, being fed. You know, those were the greatest days. Now I am alone, isolated on an island, and only then God says, I'm going to give you revelation now. Why didn't God give him a revelation at 25? Because he didn't have the structure to hold it. There are people who know how to prophesy and have all the gifts of the Spirit, but yet they don't have integrity to show up on time. Does that make sense? I'm just saying there is a cost to be used as a clean vessel, and the vessel has to be cleaned first. We are all vessels. And guess what? God can use imperfect, cracked vessels, you know, all of the allegories we use with vessels, jars of clay, all of that. God can use all of that. It's just that there are simple things that there's a reason why. One of my, this is, this is a scripture that blew me away, Hebrews 5.8. In fact, um, uh, Yo Bro's audiovisual live production, my main men, Jorge or uh, Bryce, can you guys put up Hebrews 5.8, New Living Testament? Hebrews 5.8, New Living Testament. Hebrews 5, 8, New Living Testament. Hebrews 5, 8, New Living. I surprised them on this. Anyways, you know what? Let me just read it. Um, It talks about Jesus, and it said, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. It says, even though he was the son of God, it says in the very very first part, it says, even though he was the son of God, He learned obedience. But wait a second, hold on. Jesus didn't have to learn anything. Jesus was perfect. Well, according to the Bible, he hadn't learned fully obedience yet. So if some of us are like, how come things haven't happened? Well, is there something that we have to learn? We're not here to tell you what to think. We are giving you stuff to think about. That's it. Yeah. Because we think that you are smart enough and we actually believe in the Holy Spirit to do work that you're going to hear something from the Holy Spirit that's much better than anything we have to say. You know what I'm saying? Like you guys will probably forget every word that we say by tomorrow and that's okay. All that matters is what the Holy Spirit tells you. And so all we are here to do is just to give you some things to think about is that he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Sometimes when we're suffering, what, what that is, we look at it as a disruption. We go, God, take away the suffering. And he goes, no, because you haven't changed. <laughs> Does that make sense? Has anyone ever been through a suffering situation? Yipers. Yeah, and guess what? You're in great company. Because look who else suffered. Jesus. But that's just kind of the life you sign up for when you become a believer and you go, God, I want, to, I want you to use me. And he goes, okay, are you sure? <laughs> and then all these other things happen. Am I right or no? Absolutely. I think one of the things that uh, can confuse a person early on, and I found this in scripture one day, it was like, oh, I wish I knew this forever. It's in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21 and 22, and it says this. It says, God is able to make you stand firm for Christ. And then he makes this statement. He has commissioned you as his own, and he has identified you as his own by placing his Holy Spirit in your heart as the first installment of everything he'll give you. God's able to make you stand firm for Christ, and he does two things. He commissions you as his own, and then he identifies you as his own. Now, pay very close attention. This is important. 
People pay attention in the world and even in the church to the commissioned work. Do you know that word commission? It's like when the, like there was a family in the 1500s in Italy, they would commission artists like da Vinci and others to make paintings for them. Basically, it's them saying, I believe in the art that you're going to create, so I'm going to pay for you to live. I'm going to pay for you to live your life. You paint the Sistine Chapel. You paint this painting. You paint whatever. And they would commission things. Every single person in this room, like we talked about earlier, God has a plan for your life, and he's commissioned you to do that work. That is the big, attractive, spirit of the age thing that we all pay attention to right now. You go to any other city in the United States and probably the world, and the first thing people ask you is, what do you do? The emphasis, on, is on, excuse me, the emphasis is on career, it's on achievement, it's on accomplishment. Your validation and your identity come out of the work that you do. Scripture tells us that is actually backwards. So I'm reading this in 2 Corinthians one day, and it says, He has commissioned you as his own and identified you as his own. And I asked the Holy Spirit, this is years ago, why does it say commission first if my identity is all you seem to talk to me about? Because it seemed to me like I had all these dreams. I want to speak. I want to do all this stuff in my lifetime. Lord, I want to create these films, these productions that we get to do. These were all dreams in our head that I really, really wanted to see happen. But the only thing that seemed to be taking place in my life on a day-to-day -day basis were circumstances that were forcing me to revisit my identity. And I was like... I want to do that, but all you're talking to me about is my integrity, my character, my behavior, my habits late at night, all these types of things. And so I was curious, Lord, why is it that way? Because everyone, when you talk about them in, the, in a Christian context, it's about what they want to do for God. And I actually think there's a lot of unnecessary pressure and anxiety on God's young people, yourselves included, because you're so stressed to figure out what God wants you to do when we haven't taken time to realize that he will shape you into the person first that will be capable to do that and to enjoy that. There's a big difference between doing stuff for God, suffering through it and saying, I'm just learning obedience. That's fantastic. Keep in mind, however, that before Jesus' ministry ever started, there was one thing he was not willing to do when the enemy tempted him. Do you remember 40 days in the wilderness, Matthew 4? The enemy comes to him and says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. Now, do you remember, pause for a second, do you remember several chapters later when 5,000 men, women, and their children are there? It's probably way more than 5,000 people. 5,000 men, 5,000 families are here. And they're hungry. What does Jesus do with bread? Can someone tell me? He multiplies it. He takes five loaves and two fish and turns it into enough to feed these 5,000 families and... Enough baskets, 12 baskets for the disciples to take home with them at the end of it. He was called. His work was to multiply bread. But at the beginning of his ministry, the enemy came to him and said, are you willing to manipulate your God-given gifts and work to validate your identity to me? And Jesus said, no. I will do that someday. But... I'm already the beloved son of God. He says man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Let me ask you something. Whose image are we created in? 
Okay, when he says it comes out of every word that comes out of the mouth of God, Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when it says every word that comes out of God, it's the heart of God. The overflow of God's heart that speaks to you, that enables you to operate in the identity he has. So I'm asking the Holy Spirit this question, like, why do you, why do you get our attention with commissioned work and then you throw us into situations where we have to become identified for who we really are as sons and daughters of God. And the answer I got, and I say this hesitantly because you, I don't want to authoritatively tell you this is what the Holy Spirit said, but what I've come to understand in life and experience since then is this. No one would pay attention. God says, I'll give you commissioned work. I'll get your attention. Like, where does Jesus meet his first four disciples? They're at work. Where does Boaz meet Ruth? She's at work shows up at the mundane job and says, hey, come join me. I assure you, I really enjoy what I do. I get to be up here today with you guys, with Pastor John. I love making productions. I love doing all that stuff. But you know there's no application for this job. This job has not existed before. So I show up at Victory years ago, and I go, hey, I'd love to serve. What can I do? And they go, hey, can you learn? I didn't know anything about AV. They go, can you learn how to operate Pastor Paul's sermon notes behind the scenes? And I go, yeah, absolutely. And anyone, and you would get sermon notes Saturday night during worship, like right before Pastor Paul would get up on stage and it'd be like, hey, we need 46 slides. 46 is a dream. <laughs> it's awesome. 46 would be awesome. So we would do that. And it was just a matter of time of being faithful. We would do that Sunday mornings. Then we'd go set up a campus Sunday nights. It was a 16-hour day. I think Jorge remembers this. Uh, it was like 6 a.m. until 10 p.m. And it was a matter of, by that point in my life, I had already done a bunch of other things, and I knew the right attitude was, Lord, for as long as you want, I'm going to do this. There's a big difference between asking God, when will I be promoted to the, the commissioned work you have for me? And asking God and telling God, if you're going to identify me in this situation, using these circumstances, get me there. Take as long as you'd like. I assure you, it will relieve you of anxiety, stress, fear, and worry, and panic to be like, oh, there's a ticking time bomb, and I just have to figure out what God wants me to do. Do you really think God is that poor of a designer that he would say, I'll design a system in which these young people who are willing to forego the spirit of the age and the society that they're involved in, I'll, I'll ask them to, to skip out on everything the world offers them, and then when they come to me, I'll tell them I have a plan, but it's a secret. Do you think that's what he's doing? It pleases him. It says in Luke 12, it says it pleases our father to give us his kingdom. The one thing he doesn't want to do, however, is for the kingdom he gives you to crush you. So he has to prepare you. That's what Victory College is about as far as I can perceive it. Like they can settle this later and tell you what I'm doing wrong. But the reality is Victory College is a place for people who want to take God's plan for their life seriously who want to accommodate it and be prepared for it like an airport, not just a random thing, like a big empty field where a plane lands, emergency situation kind of thing. It's like, no, we're ready for you. We have a gate. We have this stuff. We can do it all. Okay, we can facilitate this. Praise God. So I remember I was actually with, and uh, the only reason why I keep on referencing your directors, so I grew up uh, being a youth pastor and kids pastor over 
uh, Pastor Greg's sons, and over, uh, and then I grew up being friends with Jason. So I remember I was with Jason. We had just graduated school. He was doing medical tests, and we were, he was trying to um, basically graduate from med school. So, and we were in a lake. (laughs) We were in a lake one night, and it was Wednesday night at 10.30 p.m., and um, I was there with a girlfriend. He was there with a girl. We were just hanging out. And I know, you're like, whoa, what is happening in this story? <gasps> Lean in and find out. So, and all of a sudden, I get this call on my phone, and I hear it, and I'm like, oh. So I swim aside, and I look, and it's my dad. And I was like, oh, shoot, he knows that I skipped Wednesday night service. And I'm like, uh, <clears throat> Hello? And he, and he goes, Were you trying John? to be asleep? Yes. <laughs> I was trying to be asleep. I was like, uh, hello? And he was like, John, what, what's going on? And he was like, are you, are you in water? And I go, that's a waterbed maybe. I'm, I'm asleep, you know. Church was awesome tonight, you know. Um, anyways, and, and he goes, John, God, uh, and he goes, I want you to go to Victory Bible College. And I was like, at, back then, it was Victory Bible College. And I was like, uh, mm, well, you see, this is my schedule now. And I was working in the youth department, and I also was working another part-time job while also mowing. So I had, like, three different jobs. And I was like, my schedule, it just, and he said, John, you have to learn the word of God. And I was like, I know the word of God. I grew up in church. And he goes, no, you were around the word of God. You do not know it. And, and I was like, Ah, and he goes, it starts uh, on Monday. This was on a Wednesday night. And he goes, um, tomorrow is like registration. And he goes, and I was like, okay, it's this amount of money. And he's like, I will pay for your first quarter. Back then we did it in four quarters. And he's like, I'll pay for your first quarter. You pay for your books. He said, and if you like it, you're going to pay for the next few quarters. Like you're going to pay to finish out. And I was like, I can, in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going to like it. You know what I mean? But I had written down all of these plans of what I wanted to do with my life. And I actually never wanted to be a pastor. Like that never like, woo, you know, that never excited me. Um, So anyways, I remember, and then I got off the phone. Jason was like, what was that? And I was like, "Uh, that was my dad. I'm going to Victory Bible College. And, (laughs) but anyways, I remember being there the first day of class, and I looked for someone that I knew, that way I could sit and talk and just really not pay attention. That's was, that was my goal. Again, you guys, I'm revealing my heart. I'm a garbage human being. Um, anyways, but I'm in work. I'm on work. God's working on me. So I was sitting there, and I was talking, and within 15 minutes, the teacher that day, his name was Tim Redman, he goes, Mr. Doherty, why are you here? I was talking. And I was like, um, to learn about the Bible. <laughs> I was such a smart Alec. And, and he goes, okay, what is it that you want to do with your life? And I was like, I'm not going to tell him. You know, especially in front of all these people, right? And he was just like, whatever it is. And he's like, you're not ready. Wow. And he goes, that's why you're here. So I'm saying that to you. On day one, he said that? Day one, 15 minutes in. I was like, Victory College ain't got no chill. (laughs) Incredible. It was exactly what I needed to hear. And then he began to tell, 
a allegory that maybe many of you guys had heard. Many of you guys have heard a preacher preach this, but it changed my life. And it was the first time I heard it. He talked about how in today's day and age, everything is instant because of Instagram. It's an instant upload. He said, but at one point in time, you actually had to take the photos and they had to be developed. And then what happened was is that when you took a photo, it went into a place called the dark room. Dark room. And your image is being developed in the dark room. And if a spotlight, if light hits that image too soon, it will ruin the image. And so some of us are praying for a spotlight, but it's going to ruin your image if it hits too soon. And in this dark room, you're dipped into solution. That's what it's called. And what has happened the negatives are cut out. In the dark room, you're dipped into a solution. The negatives are cut out, and you think it's all blurry right now. But over time, an image becomes to get revealed. You see, in today's day and age, we want things in quick time, but God develops us over time. And so my this is our encouragement to you is that you don't want to rush anything that you want to last forever. Don't rush anything. This is beautiful. What you're a part of, those of you who are here for Victory College Day and you're like, I think I'm going to come here. Don't rush it because what God is building in you is incredible. Your purpose and your plan is already there. The only thing that God is doing is he's building the structure within it to hold it up. You know, I was thinking about um, one of my favorite preachers of all time. His name is T.D. Jakes, the bishop. Um, And he says something about anointing oil. Tell me. Oh, yeah. He was saying the, how much does the anointing oil cost? He was talking about oil. How much does it cost? What does it cost you? Yeah. You say like, oh, you go to the store, oil costs. This much olive oil, although prices have gone up. Uh, it's been, yeah, by the right. way, yeah, you get like good olive Probably oil. Seven. I've started cooking recently. Good olive oil, it's like $13. And then he rephrases it. He says, how much did it cost the olive? And he said somewhere in a factory behind it in an old rundown alley in the trash can, you'll see an olive that's been crushed. And everything that was in it is out. He goes, that is what anointing cost. So it's difficult to pray for anointing and not expect the crushing. The cost of the crushing, the cost of the cleansing, and you go, this is the worst marketing strategy for Victory (laughs) College. But it's so exciting. Does everyone believe, this this is the exciting part, there is a version of every single one of you that you have not met yet. And it exists. The version of you you've not met yet exists. It does. You haven't met him or her yet. But that version exists. And you wanting to meet that version, this is a route. This is the path. And that's what's so exciting, even though you go, yeah. And and some of you have been through, some of you have testimonies for days of you've been through it. God is, and you've seen God's faithfulness. And that's why your testimony holds so much power. And you know who you are in this room. That's why your testimony holds, because there's a crushing. And there has been the ups and downs and the trials of life. 
With that being said, we have about 11 minutes. We're going to do uh, some Q&A. We'd love to hear any questions. In the interest of time, if you'd keep your question to like 30 seconds or less, that would be super helpful. But I can have this mic go around. So if you just want to ask a question, you can raise your hand. Mr. Jason, can you help us? Thank you so much. Do we have any? Yeah, I see one over here. I see one up here as well. I'll pass this to you. If, yeah, absolutely. Hello, gentlemen. Hey. So do either of you have a story where you found yourself in a bad situation or you put yourself in a bad situation, <laughs> yet through the grace of God, he got you out of it? Fascinating. Do you want to do this one? Oh, I'm the only one that has a story of that? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I have one, too. Let me tell you guys something. Okay, so by the grace, okay, this is probably not what you're asking for, but I'm going to tell you, too. One story. Last week, so I'm now serving at Victory Manford. Um, woo! Come on, baby! Victory Manford is a campus here, and we just solidified the Victory Manford pastors that they're going to be announcing this week. It's just really exciting. But I've been there for the last six or seven weeks, and we did growth track, fast track, this past Sunday. And we got all of the, and I've been really pushing it and marketing it. And every, and so after service, people come forward. They're sitting there ready for Fast Track Growth Track. They have their pamphlets open. And you know how you fill out blanks, you know? There's like blanks in your booklet that you fill out, that you follow along with. Well, they gave us the wrong booklet. And so we did not have answers to step one of Growth Track. And I just, and all of these people are there. They're all sitting there. And then I open it up, and I'm like, okay, there's no answers for me to give them. And they're waiting to fill in the answers. And I just lean over to a guy who, who serves out there, Scott, and I go, Scott, I don't know these answers. And it's 10 pages of fill in the blank for step one in this booklet. And all these people are like smiling, nodding, eating their lunch. And he goes, you got this. And I go, uh, okay, first space is love God, love people. And everyone's like, love God, love people. I go, next is the way to spell joy is Jesus, others, and you. I made up everything. <laughs> made it all up. Made it all up. I never got a divine revelation. God never said, no, this is it. That never happened. I literally made it all up. So anyways, there's times like that that happen. Um, okay, but, and so I don't know if you call that the grace of God. Maybe it was the grace of God working on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the grace of God worked. Okay, but to answer your question, yes, I remember being in a situation um, on, a, uh, on a missions trip and basically... Um, your question was, say it, sorry. Uh, you put yourself. That's right. Yes. Okay, so right outside of our missions base in Haiti, um, it was like there was a lot of witch doctors making lots of uh, noise. I know this is like, I, we just jumped in the deep end on this story. We're like, whoa, witch doctors. Um, this is true. And they would like um, kill roosters and stuff outside and drain their blood and do all these sacrifices. Well, I thought it would be great to take students to go minister in that area. And they surrounded, guys, I'm telling you, please, no judgment. We're here today. No one died. It was very, uh, anyways. So we took a team 
in a vehicle and we drove to them and then they surrounded our vehicle and they began uh, a group of people with torches and rocks surrounded our vehicle and began beating on the windows at, yelling at us and I couldn't understand Creole which is what they speak and anyways and I was like this was a bad idea this was a bad idea and everyone and I was like back up and it was like we can't back up they surrounded us and I was like everyone pray in tongues and everyone was like have you guys ever heard a machine gun prayer in tongues you're like Brrr. the Holy Spirit was grieved let me just say that the Holy Spirit was like ouch that hurt you're not supposed to do machine gun pray in tongues and we had to, but we, I was the one that put us in that situation, and we got out, and afterwards, we didn't die. That's the story. Amen. So I wish I, I, wish I had some really brilliant, awesome thing. That's it. We survived. And sometimes that is the testimony. Come on. We do our next one. What a good answer. Okay, I have two quick questions. The okay. first one is, what does the U stand for uh -huh. in the U at Victory? Uh -huh. Yeah, that on Instagram. What does the U stand for? So that room where the media office is located is a uh -huh. giant U. Uh, so John named very Man. just wow. basic, just <laughs> common. It could have been called the C if you think of it, but oh, yeah. U is way better. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I like okay. It. Yeah. I love yeah. It. Yeah. yeah the and then U. the second question is: You guys do a lot of productions, mm -hmm. and in the past, I'm not very familiar, but um, they were kind of cookie cutter. How do you guys um, keep up with the times, other than the Holy Spirit, with um, your ideas and inspiration? How do we keep up with the Holy Spirit as we do productions? That's what you're asking. Well, no, no, like, like keep up with the. Yeah. Current relevant. Ah, okay, 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 absolutely. So if you're not familiar, I'll give you a brief little thing. We've only got a few minutes. But uh, we do a Christmas production here. We do an Easter production. We do also a fall production and then different in-service elements. It's not just us. Obviously, there's a massive team in the U that you referred to. Uh, a lot of people, Zach Bernatsky, the team there, Sam Wright, who uh, create incredible elements. There's also a, a creative part of the worship team. So Dom DeMeo and the team and worship, they do a lot of, so you'll see that at conference this year in January if you get to join us for conference. Uh, to answer your question, where does that come from? The word of God never changes. Do we agree on that? Like that's the fact of the matter. But uh, my dad, who's a pastor, shared this with me one time years ago. He said, if you have a diamond and you share, uh, put light into it, Depending on the angle at which you're standing, the color of the diamond that you see will be different. And so as culture shifts and goes, you know, closer and closer to devastation, and, and it's just so wild to be out, like, you, I don't even have a Twitter anymore. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Every time I see one of these things, it's devastating. Culture's going where it's going. Hollywood's going where it's going. Media's going where it's going. I don't think that the guy who invented the entire universe is asking them their opinion on creativity. I don't think he's asking them for permission to make something. I understand, and I say this cautiously because I'm a product of this very thing, and so I'm grateful for it. In the 80s and 90s, there were very well-intentioned Christian people who made really bad media content. But their intentions were to reach generations with 
media, and I think that's incredible. I grew up on that media. I'm grateful for it. But there are also doctors today who don't put leeches on your body and say, let's just let the suck the blood out. And you know. No, medicine as a field has advanced, and I think that the field of creativity that comes out of the heart of God is continuing to advance. Our ability to accommodate the heart of God in each season has continued to advance. So each show, the story of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection, that is the story. The challenge on our end is not, well, how can we make this look cool? The question we're always asking is, how do you tell a room full of people who think they know the story that they don't know the story? How do you get people who simultaneously have never heard the story to hear it really, really clear? And then how do you get a room full of Christian people that are like, yeah, I know, he's going to die at the end, then he comes back. How do you get them to pay attention to the fact that, well, there's aspects of his resurrection that you may or may not have already applied to your life. Like, I know you know this stuff. I know you know that he healed people. But I don't know that you believe that he could heal your porn addiction. I don't think you believe that. I don't know that you, praise God. So that's the question we start with. The act of, like, how do we find stuff that happens, that is the fun part. That is where I think the Holy Spirit, if I can speak for both of us, where the Holy Spirit will romance us with cool new things that happen. Sometimes it's like an image. You know, I don't know if anyone here saw Keymaker. We just put this out. The, the image of Keymaker, uh, there were some scenes that we had discussed where we're in Vegas with this, like, raw steak thing. And I just remember, like, almost a decade ago, picturing a story where there's like a business tycoon of sorts with blood running down his face. And I just saw that image. And I didn't think much of it. I just carried it with me. Well, then when we're talking about and writing Keymaker, that came back up. And this is how, I, and I'll land the plane here with this. Um, John 16, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will tell you about the future. I have a lot of respect for people who will come to me and say, God told me to tell you that on March 15th, you know, you're going to give me this much money and that's going to happen. That's fantastic. Good for them. I'm not going to do that. I don't think that's the only way the Holy Spirit tells you about the future. I think he creates a nostalgia in you. And when you go to chase down what that thing is, you realize it doesn't exist. And he goes, yeah, you have to make it. So it's a nostalgia for the future. Does that make sense? Nostalgia as a word means like, you know, feeling really cozy and comfy feelings about the past. Oh, when I was a kid and I used to watch, we watched Bible Man the other day. Did anyone grow up on Bible Man? Yeah, big Bible Man fan. Oh, is he here? Is Bible Man here? I'm just kidding. Come on out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the best ending ever? No, we watched it and it was so nostalgic for me. Well, what the Holy Spirit will do is create nostalgia in you for the future. So then you'll go about making it, and the next thing you know, that's the new standard for how things should operate. The church, I know you've heard this, the church should be setting the standard for creativity. It should be the epicenter of creativity. The heart that we're connected to is the most creative heart of all time and beyond. Okay, I think that's our time. Do we have time for one more? Or are we good? Last one. Is that, oh, okay. Hi, guys. Um, first question, how old are you guys? <laughs> and, like, respectfully, how old are you guys? Yeah. No, even if it was disrespectfully, <laughs> I think that's even funnier. <laughs> you have to understand our love language. If you make fun of us, we're like, aww. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
we're probably opposite from other people who are like, if you make fun of me, that really hurt. We're like, ha, 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 ha. Um, 54. There's Just no kidding. Way. <laughs> 38. Okay. I'm 38. Respectfully, I'm 29. Disrespectfully, I'm 29. <laughs> That's <Okay>. true. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so I'm 22. And um, I'm, so many people have told me recently, enjoy your youth, man. Like, enjoy it. It goes fast. And, like, I want to enjoy my youth, but I don't want to be so cautious with my youth that I don't enjoy it to the fullest. But I also don't want to be so liberal with it that I mess up my life. So how could I find a good balance of those two? Because I want to maintain my relationship with God, of course. Yeah. But I also want to take advantage of the time I have now. Because everyone past 30 is like, bro, you're going to miss being 20, man. Can I ask your name? Cody. Cody? Yes, sir. Okay, Cody, when I was 18 and going to college, someone told me, hey, enjoy it. It's the best four years of your life. And then I was in college, and it was not the best four years of my life. <laughs> I was like, there's no way this is going to be. If this is the best four years of my life. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is going to be. I'm going to unsubscribe now. I understand where they're coming from, my friend Cody, uh, but here's the other thing. Anyone who tells you that 18 to 22 is the best four years of your life didn't do 18 to 22 right. Man. If you do 18 to 22 right, 22 to 26 is awesome. And if you do that right, 26 to 30, can I just tell you, I'm 29 years old. At 18, at 15, at 16, I decided to invest my free time into, yes, time with God, and yes, fun with friends. I did a lot of stuff to have fun. I've done whatever. <laughs> but when you invite God into that process, you actually understand that you're not inviting him into your life. You are accepting his invitation into his life for you. And he wants you to have fun, my guy. He wants you to do the road trips. He wants you to go to the mountaintops. He wants you to, you know what I mean? Like, he invented them for you to have fun in. Waves are just high enough to play in? Are you kidding me? Like, yes, you should have as much fun as you possibly can. And then as you pay attention to the fun God does create for you, you'll actually realize that sin's not that fun. Sin compared to a life where you sit in a room and you eat crackers and you just do nothing and you go, God, I love you. I promise I will never <laughs> sin again. That's not fun. That's not what he designed. If that was the case, he would have built an office building, not a garden. Okay? Ooh. So Ooh. if you do 18 to 22 right and you pay attention to your romantic life correctly and you seek God for all those things and go, do you have this for me? Is this for me? You will end up at 29 like I am right now, a complete clown who's like, <laughs> embarrassed by how much God has given him. And I pray that for you. I pray that by 29 and for all of you. And, and if you're in here and you're like, what about me? I'm 41. Praise God. Uh, there's no, <laughs> we know all the sermons about it. We're wrapping up real quick. But um, the point I'm making is you give God five loaves and look what he did. Mm. You know what I mean? Give him five years and mm. see what he'll do. So there you go. Thank you. I don't know that we, you tell me if we have, I don't think we have time for any more. Um, so with that. Oh, last, oh yeah, Sethery. Sethery. Yeah, Seth, talk in your low voice. <laughs> <laughs> what is your guys' favorite type of pizza? Oh, that wasn't a part one, that was the whole question. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole wrap. That's fantastic. Respectfully, a deep dish Chicago style. Praise God.
There's, there is a, a certain pizza at Andalini's, and it has, uh, I don't even know if I'm saying it right, chorizo, and it, has, uh, and it has jalapeno honey on it. It's got spicy honey, and it has jalapenos on it. And that sounds wild. I don't know why, but I love it. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's it. Um, also, one thing. Cody, right? I'm so grateful that you asked that because I just thought fun and like following God was separate and it is not that way. And so, you know, obviously like until the day that we go on to be with God or I think we're, the Bible says we're able to live to 109. Is that it? 120, 120. I plan on living to 120. You know, some of you guys may have to like roll me around by like a hundred. Like I'll probably hire a roller who just rolls me for 20 years and I'll roll up and I'll go, hey. Um, but I plan on living to 120, which means 38 is pretty young. 60 is pretty young. 60 is only midlife. You know what I'm saying? And so that's where, that's where like, everything that you really want in life, it's like, it makes you more calm and knowing like, okay, God, you're in control of the timing and you're not in a rush and you're able to enjoy and laugh really hard. I think that the joy of the Lord is the thing that um, is not necessarily valued as much, but it is so valuable. That's your strength. It's your strength, the joy of the Lord. Yes, it comes from the Lord, but every once in a while, you just have to laugh really hard and, and like, make fun of each other. Um, I know that's weird. I, it, right? You're like, amen, yes, I love criticism. I love it. Um, I love roasting my friends. Um, <laughs> yeah. In the Bible, when Jesus and the disciples were having a campfire, that was, like, metaphorical. They, they were roasting each other. Um, anyways, dumb. Dumb joke, dumb joke. You got it. You laughed. Thank you. Um, anyways, okay. I have, I have this final, okay, final story, okay? Uh, so this is, and I know many, of you, some of you guys have may, may have heard this story, uh, and then I want to close out in prayer. And one thing that we love to do is I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask whether it's Pastor Ray or whoever to come up, Pastor Ray will come up after this and, and close us out in prayer is that, um, okay, so there was, there are these churches in uh, Eastern Europe, and they had the most gorgeous um, stained glass windows. And the art of the stained glass was created by one person. And he, and, and this, this stained glass artist created art um, all over Eastern Europe. And Whenever and people come from all over to see the stained glass art, the the images of the cross, the cherubim, the seraphim, um, you know, the 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 twelve stages of the cross, and they would they would look at it, and some people would just cry and they would weep, and it was absolutely amazing. And you know, as he got older, that's that's what he did his whole life. And and some of us were asking right here on the front row, what was your name again? Desiree? Desiree. Okay, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God prophesied. God preached. 
God led a worship song. God did a podcast? No, in the beginning God created. 